And so I think you've got to really go in and balance and say, look, I understand that you might have strategic levers that you want to pull. This is what we're doing now. And this is what it's generating from a pipeline perspective. So leveraging the data, let's make sure that as we make these decisions, we're making them in a way that's not going to just cut off the pipeline in mid-flight because there are ways to evolve where we can do it in a more meaningful way versus just we're waiting for every new decision to be made. I think that one of the mistakes that you could make during this transition is being afraid to move forward with what you had planned. Hey, welcome to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I am Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media. And as always, I will be both your host and bartender today. I had an awesome conversation with Paige O'Neill, who is the CMO at Seismic. Her and I dove into a really interesting topic that we haven't tackled, even though I've been doing this show for three years, which is what the hell do you do as a CMO when you get the news that you have a new CEO coming to lead the organization. This happened to Paige when she was the CMO at Sitecore. So she walks us through that real experience and provides advice for other CMOs who may be faced with the same type of CEO transition. So if you care to, grab a drink and join me as I speak with Paige from Seismic. Hey Paige, welcome to SAS Full. Hey Lindsay, it's so great to be here. I'm excited to have you. We just realized we were in the same place, it seems like forever ago, in warmer weather. We were in Charleston, South Carolina together for a Empowered CMO retreat, and good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. It was an amazing gathering of CMOs that we both attended, and it's good to kind of catch up a few months after that. Yes. Well, I am drinking today called a mom water. I don't know if this has made its way to you yet. It is just a non-carbonated beverage that basically is vodka and water. So no carbonation, but it's one of my favorites. So are you joining me for a drink today? Well, I was sent this amazing kit, hibiscus margarita. And so it came in this beautiful kit with the, of course, all important tequila and all the mixers and this cute little bottle of spiced hibiscus syrup. So I am joining you for a cocktail. I didn't completely make the one that was sent, but it's a little uh, tequila. And so yeah, cheers. Well, I am pumped for a conversation today. I speak with a lot of CMOs, VPs of marketing, and we talk about how freaking hard the CMO role is and all of various reasons why we admire you all so much for sticking in these roles. We know how hard they are. What I was excited to talk to you is because we're going to talk about what happens when you take a really, really tough role as it is already, when you're trying to keep all the plates spinning, and then you get the news that your CEO is leaving and someone new is going to be coming in. Bum, bum, bum. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, Paige, I want to give our listeners an understanding of who you are, your background, and then what you do today as the CMO of Seismic. So tell us a little bit about your background. Did you grow up in the world of B2B SaaS marketing? Was it intentional or did you fall into it randomly? You know, I think I'm so old that there wasn't SaaS when I started in marketing. So yeah. <laughs> I came to it early in its origination. I mean, I'm a career B2B marketer. I spent about 10 years at Oracle, which is where I got into SaaS as I was my last couple of years at Oracle. Salesforce was just starting up and Oracle was starting to think about SaaS. And I was in a product marketing role for SaaS there pretty early on. And then I think most of my roles after that were in SaaS. So I was a pretty early convert, but I've always been in B2B, always typically working for enterprise. And I spent the last 
probably 10 or 15 years or so in MarTech. So I've just jumped over the chasm, if you will, into the enablement space because I think there's a lot of really interesting similarities between where MarTech was 10 years ago and where enablement is now. And Seismic, the company that I just joined about six months ago, they're a leader in the space. And so I'm super excited to be applying some of the MarTech lessons learned and SaaS too, because when SaaS was first coming on as marketers, we were trying to figure out, all right, how are we going to sell this into IT? Why is it a good idea for IT to think about going SaaS when they're probably going to have fewer resources if they go that way? And how do we market that? Yeah. Well, uh, you and I are in the same boat. I will age myself right there with you. When we started our agency, we've always represented B2B software clients, but we were literally shipping software on disks to magazine editors. There was a lot of B2B magazines where we actually physically went in, right? And read them and flipped the pages. Like, you're like, wow, you guys are freaking dinosaurs. We're not that old. It just seems like it. That was so long ago, right? And for those that don't know, I would imagine most people at least heard of Seismic. But give us a quick elevator of why Seismic exists to give people more context. Yeah. And as I mentioned a little bit, we're the leader in enablement. So we help go to market teams, make sure that their sales reps can come on board, get onboarded quickly, understand how to go to market with the solutions, training, coaching, content, getting all the content that the sales teams need, the go to market teams need to perform. Obviously, marketing plays a big role in putting that content together. So it's really about aligning the entire go to market team for maximum performance. And that's what Seismic helps go to market teams do. Perfect. Thank you. And we will have all the appropriate links in the show notes if you're interested in learning more about Seismic. Well, Paige, the reason that you chose this topic, which is surviving a CEO transition, is because you lived it. You were doing your thing as CMO of Sitecore, going about your business, trying to keep it all organized and do your reporting and show your value as a CMO. And then boom, shit hits the fan. Walk us through this experience. Yeah. And you know, it's it's actually the only time this has ever happened to me. So I don't think it happens all that often at the C-level, especially when you have a CEO change. It literally right in the middle of my tenure at Sitecore. I spent about five years there. It was a little bit of a taken aback moment because as you said, you are kind of going about your business and then you have a new CEO who comes on board and suddenly that person did not hire you. For me, it was the first time and only time that I ever had that happen where suddenly I found myself working as a C-level for a CEO that did not hire me. And so a lot of interesting, I think, lessons learned there that we can unpack about what do you do at that point? How do you build that relationship? How do you go forward? A lot of people, a lot of C-levels do not survive that transition. I would imagine not. Tell us where you were sitting, who gave you the news. I'm sure that moment is pretty vivid. I think we got the news together as an executive team from a board member all together. So it was an executive team meeting, a regular cadence exec team meeting that we got the news. And I think everyone kind of got it at the same time at the C-level. Yeah. What were your first emotions at that meeting? A little bit of fear, I think. The full gamut, right? I mean, certainly thinking, wow, who is this person? Because for a while, it wasn't really known who the person was. Who is this person? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for the company? Do I still have a job? Is this person going to value the work that I've been doing? Are we going to have to change all of the marketing plans? Is the company strategy going to change? I mean, you know, on and on, right? (laughs) And the answer was yes to most of those questions, right? Yes, the strategy changed. A lot happens when any new C-level comes in. That's true of a CEO, certainly. But it's also true anytime any new leader comes in, especially a new C-level. They want to make changes. They're brought in usually to make changes, right? Yes. 
and specifically with how much turnover there is in the CMO role, marketing teams feel that same pressure and go through those same questions too of, oh shit, I was not the person hired in, uh, or this person didn't hire me in, are they going to come here and clean house? Which I believe is most people's fear and a pretty rational one at that. So talk to me about what you did leading up to and to prepare for that first meeting with a new CEO. Certainly, it's true on the marketing side that you're probably going to be one of the first people to talk to the new CEO because there's obviously communication that has to happen around a new CEO coming into the business. The marketing person's probably going to be on the front lines of that communication along with HR. So pretty early on started thinking about things like, what impression do I want to make in my first conversation? Obviously, there were communication things to talk about, but also setting the stage for what are the expectations and how are we going to discuss marketing strategies that might be in flight that need decisions? What foot do I want to put forward here in terms of the strategic planning and the discussions that we want to have? So spend a fair amount of time thinking about, most importantly, what's going to be top of mind for the CEO coming in? What's the charter that they're going to have? What are some of their initial priorities going to be in the first couple of months? that they're in the business, obviously spending time evaluating, but trying to get in on the ground floor of those priorities as early as possible, I think is just one of the most crucial things you can do. Yeah. You also were, I would imagine, having to quell your team's fears with a CEO transition as well. Were there any communication strategies that you found effective when you think about your marketing team to help them stay informed, stay motivated in a time that could be filled with fear for them too? Yeah. And I think for me, it's always just about full transparency, as full as you can possibly be. And there are always times that I think as a C-level, you might have information that you can't share freely with every person on the team or in the company. But I think you as a leader and as someone who wants to make sure that everyone stays engaged and is feeling excited, you've got to make sure that you figure out how are you going to translate that for the team? How are you going to generate excitement? How are you going to be transparent with the interactions you've had? Everyone wants to know pretty quickly, what's the CEO like? Like, what are they thinking about? What are their priorities going to be? What do they think about marketing? They want to know, are you gelling with the CEO? Because they're worried about you as a leader, right? So I think setting the stage and being transparent about those things and making the team understand that, yeah, all those conversations are happening. It's going well. Here are the things I'm hearing. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I think we should be thinking about to prepare for making presentations to the new CEO when that time comes. So making sure the team puts their best foot forward with all the plans and any decisions that need to be made quickly because, you know, a CEO is coming in, they're being hit with a lot of things from all the different departments at the company and you can't go to them with every little decision. You've got to go to them with the ones that are really going to really move the needle in the short term mm -hmm. that need action. Do you think you had previous intel on like what type of a CEO this person was? I've talked to enough CMOs to know, especially those that have worked at many different companies is you have CEOs who are big believers in marketing and give their more autonomy to just do the thing. Love brands, love it all. Understand like, yes, go do the thing. I believe in marketing. There's others who I'm using air quotes for those of you listening that, that think they get marketing, right? I, I know marketing, which <laughs> to me is nightmarish. And then there is the, I don't believe in marketing and marketing isn't really a priority. So did you have insight into sort of the type of CEO that you were walking into to adjust your strategy a bit accordingly? Yeah, I don't think you ever know for sure, right? Because once you find out who the CEO is, I think it's human nature that you're going to go out and you're going to find out, all right, 
Who do I know that knows this person? That was the first thing that I wanted to know. What's out there about the person? What have they said in the public realm that I can kind of leverage to see what I think? What is the board telling me about why this person was selected and hired and what does it mean for marketing? And so asking those types of questions, I certainly spent time. I talked to a few key board members, got the understanding of why this person was selected, what the board thought they were going to bring to the table, what they thought it meant for the marketing role. I did some research to see what was out there in the public realm about the new CEO. And so from that was able to gauge, all right, well, this is a person who's a pretty confident spokesperson. They're going to represent the company well, seem to have a vision for the company that they were at prior to coming in new. And then just knowing from the person's background, like in this case, it was someone who'd spent a lot of time in sales. And that tends to be a person that knows more about marketing. So seemed to be trending towards the favorable of would understand marketing, would be supportive of marketing, understanding how marketing supports pipeline development, customer experience, those relationships with the sales team being very important. So all of those were really favorable indicators that I was able to gather ever before having that first conversation. Okay, so let's go to the first conversation. How did you approach that? Because there's a number of different ways that you could come into that with information over details. You could be curious and ask some questions. You could let him or her lead. What was your approach to that first meeting? And like, what did you want to get out of it? What was the top couple of things that you wanted to walk away with? the first one-on-one that I had after the CEO had actually started. And of course, it turned out that the meeting I had with the CEO to talk about the communication, it just so happened to take place when I was on vacation. (laughs) So it wasn't the optimal setup, honestly, because I'm on a ranch in Montana. It's the middle of COVID. And you know, of course, that's the one time when the conversation was going to take place. The Wi-Fi wasn't working that well. He couldn't get his camera going. I think I couldn't get my camera going. So it was, I mean, I think made it through. We were able to do the comms plan, but it wasn't really my ideal scenario for that first face-to-face interaction. So thankfully, that was just about comms. It wasn't about kind of strategy and one-on-ones. And I was able to leverage that conversation, which I would highly recommend to understand, all right, well, this is about comms, but obviously we're going to have a meeting in a few weeks. And, you know, what are you hoping to get out of that meeting? So asking those questions so that I could hear what was top of mind even before he came into the business was really important. And then the more germane meeting that we had, the first one-on-one, there was a lot of prep that went into that meeting. He had had meetings or there were people in the business, I think, that knew him from other companies, talking to them to understand what do you think is going to be top of mind, pulling together all the plans that we had in flight, the things that we wanted to highlight, areas where you know maybe there were investment decisions that had been put off in the CEO transition that I wanted to get front and center, really establishing priorities, cadences, personal styles of interaction. Those were all things that I felt were pretty important going into that first meeting. And then gauging the level of detail, because every executive is different in terms of the detail that they want. Is this a detail person? Is it not a detail person? Do they want detail in some areas and not others probably. And so understanding that upfront as well and asking questions around what was the right level of information. That's a big transition for you in terms of how to adjust your, not only what you include in your meetings, but did you also have to adjust your reporting? Definitely. And I think this would be the case with any C-level come in. There are absolutely going to be different cadences that a new CEO is going to want. It's probably going to be a 180. There are going to be differences. The new CEO wanted to have quarterly QBRs with every C-level and their direct reports. And that was something that was definitely new for the business. And frankly, initially I was like, oh gosh, really? And then I grew to love it. I'm doing it now in my current job. 
job with my own teams. So I, I think it provided a level of visibility and discipline that was added on to all the other cadences that we had that was very valuable to the business. And I'm sure also gave him an immediate understanding of what was happening across all the departments and then keeping the visibility high on the high priority items. And then just the things that he cared about were different, very different. One example is he cares very passionately about visuals and brand identity and branding. And that was not something that the previous CEO, not that he didn't care about it, but not at the level that the new CEO did when he came in. So that was also an area where we had to make an adjustment and say, okay, well, this is something that we need to make sure we go deep on and often. No, that's really interesting. How did you balance the continuity of your ongoing marketing initiatives? So right, you're like, we're in the middle of these things, we have to do these things while adapting to the new information that you have, of the things that the CEO cares about and knowing that there might be some pivots that need to come up sort of in this no man's land. How did you balance that? The key is you don't want to go into a no man's land because of course there were going to be changes. And of course, you're probably going to pivot strategies as a company when a new CEO comes in. But given the lead time, especially for enterprise businesses with marketing campaigns, with messaging, with branding, with pipeline analysis, with ideal customer profile analysis, those aren't things that turn on a dime. And so I was very concerned about and cautious about wanting to make sure that we didn't just hit the brakes on everything that we were doing even while we were understanding where were the levers going to be that were going to change from a strategy perspective. And so I think you've got to really go in and balance and say, look, I understand that you might have strategic levers that you want to pull. This is what we're doing now. And this is what it's generating from a pipeline perspective. So leveraging the data, let's make sure that as we make these decisions, we're making them in a way that's not going to just cut off the pipeline in mid-flight because there are ways to evolve where we can do it in a more meaningful way versus just we're waiting for every new decision to be made. I think that one of the mistakes that you could make during this transition is being afraid to move forward with what you had planned. Right. Which is based on good research and good data, sort of regardless of overall strategic direction. Were there specific initiatives or campaigns that you did have to pivot quickly or did you really stay away from that? It's been three years ago now, so maybe three and a half. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction on his part. And I think most new CEOs would come in with some pretty clear ideas from the interview process and from observing the company about where did the focus need to be. And it wasn't on marketing campaigns and high-level messaging. It did evolve to, you know, we did a very large first ever global brand campaign, but that was something that had been in the works that we had been. It was really the opposite, whereas I'd been trying to get investment for the campaign and with the new CEO coming in, we were able to unlock that. So so I think for the most part, it sped things up because we had been trying to prove that, hey, it's the right time to do a global brand campaign. We need to make an added investment in this. Here's what we think this is going to do for our business. And when the new CEO came in, that became available to us in a way that it just wasn't before. So I think it was more of that than it was stopping and then gearing up to start. It was an evolution of strategy and things that took some time to put in motion. So it wasn't necessarily a stop, start, stop, start scenario, thankfully. There'd be cases where it absolutely would be. And again, I think in those scenarios, I think that the leaders, the CMO has just got to be really clear with data driving the decisions about, absolutely, we can pivot, but let's do it in a way that makes sense for what we've got in motion in the market right now, not just cut off what we've got. Let's evolve in a way that makes sense. You mentioned that as a mistake that CMOs might make, which is pivoting too quickly or shutting off programs that they already have in motion. What are other mistakes that you've seen or anticipate that a CMO might make when they have a CEO transition? 
not being clear on the priorities and not being aligned with the management team, the CEO, whatever new management leaders that the CEO brings with them on what the priorities are and continuing to operate the way that you operated before. To me, it would be very surprising that a new CEO would come in and there wouldn't be a significant shift in strategy, whether that's just accelerating the existing strategy or changing the strategy. And I think a lot of times marketers or C-levels in general, not just marketers, but CMOs get pretty tied to the programs, the campaigns, the messaging, the brand that they've put in place, and they don't want to take it apart because new leadership has come in. And so I think there's a way to balance that with a new leader because everyone wants to put their stamp on it. So it's probably not going to be the case that nothing's going to change. And I think if you're not aligned with the CEO about what they're trying to drive, you risk getting off to a a bad start that it can be difficult to recover from. And when you say not being clear in priorities, you mean it's not being clear in my priorities. It is not aligning on priorities. Yeah, both. If the CEO comes in and they're thinking, I want to pivot from this product line being the central product line that we're going to market with to really doubling down on an area over here and your marketing machine isn't changing and your pipeline is still predominantly coming from maybe the legacy product set and you're not moving quickly enough to pivot pipeline to the new product set, that could be an area where there could be some disagreement and some cause for concern when a CEO was trying to pivot a company to a new product strategy. No, that's great advice. And if you've got a legacy marketing organization that's used to generating pipeline predominantly based on a core product set, that change doesn't happen overnight. So you've got to get those wheels turning immediately. If you wait a quarter and you haven't done anything, then it's going to take another three, six months, another one or two quarters to make that pivot. And then you're pretty far out of sync with your CEO. Let's shift gears and talk about CMO's responsibility and more of that like cultural integration or alignment of teams when the new CEO comes in. Did you feel like that fell on your shoulders to lead that? Jointly with the head of HR, yes. I think there was certainly a joint responsibility between the head of HR, the head of marketing, and then the CEO had a very strong chief of staff that came in that was also driving a lot of that. So there was absolutely and should rightfully be a lot of attention paid to who is this person? How are they going to connect with the employees on kind of an emotional level as a person? And I think there's the confidence that the CEO coming in knows what to do and is pulling the right strategy levels. And then I think there's also the human aspect of it of, you know, I want to know this person and understand what's important to them and understand a little bit about their personal dynamics or their family dynamics, bring the person to life and make them human. I think that's critical for any company culture when you have a leadership change of that magnitude. And you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that it's more likely that there's a CMO transition versus CEO transition, but it can work. You can get a new CEO in and you do all these things and it can work. I guess on the flip side is what are some of the triggers or signals that as a CMO that you should be watching or listening to of like, this isn't working, like this is not going to work? Yeah, I mean, I think there could be several alarm bells that could go off that it's still salvageable when you start to hear those alarms, but you've got to jump on it. I mentioned one already, which is that your pipeline generation machine is not aligned to the go forward strategy that the CEO is setting for the company. And underestimating, especially if you're going to market to enterprise companies, underestimating the complexity of that machine and how difficult it is to change gears and that you need to be out in front of that, not dragging heels. You could be seeing some red flags would be if you're not aligned on the messaging and the positioning of the company. Maybe you have a CMO who was used to really leading the charge there 
And then you get a CEO that comes in that wants to be a lot more involved in it. And so at that point, you've got to really make sure you're collaborating and you're aligned on messaging and that you're able to help shape that direction and pivot as needed. Having a seat at the table, it would be unthinkable to me that a CEO would come in and there wouldn't be some change out on the management team. I just, I can't imagine that that would happen. So there are going to be new C-levels coming into the business. Those people might know the CEO. And so then as a CMO, you could find yourself in a position where suddenly you're sitting on an exec team with several people that know the new CEO. You don't know that person that well yet. And so then you've really got to be building relationships with the new exec team and making sure that you're gelling together as a team, particularly the CRO, which is always such a pivotal relationship for the CMO. So all of those things, it's basically like you're starting a new job at that point. And you're starting it with the luxury of understanding the company, hopefully, and you've got your team and you understand your team and you understand what the company does and you're comfortable in your seat. But in all other aspects, you should really treat it like you're starting a new job. Which is daunting, specifically when you're already in one of the hardest freaking jobs that there is. But it can be fun. You can also use it as a kind of a way to re- you know, reinvent yourself or recharge yourself. I used to do an exercise with my team. If I'd been there a couple of years, I would pretend like I just started and I would say, all right, pretend I'm walking in the door as your new CMO. What would you tell me that you probably aren't saying to my face right now because I've been here for a couple of years, right? It's kind of a similar exercise. I like that exercise. I actually recently did that around our office. I think our coffee sucks. We're structured hybrids. So we're in two days a week. I've never liked our coffee. And as the president of our agency, like I could change that. But I was like, yeah, maybe it's just me. And I just walked around like, do you like our coffee? Do you like our coffee? And it was like, everyone's like, no, no, no. I'm like, why have we all been drinking coffee that we don't like for two years? That's an important thing to get right too. Because if you're not adequately caffeinated to start each day, I mean, where's the day even going? Everyone drinks it, but I found nobody likes it. I was like, oh my gosh, these are things I just, you need to just tell me. The coffee is a good analogy because I would venture to guess that every CMO has got something like that on their team where you went around and asked people, they would say, yeah, gosh, it's really broken. And it's like, well, then why aren't we actively talking about that, making it a priority? Digital strategy is one that comes to mind, right? It's like that one usually tends to be, you know, you come in as a new CMO, you reset the digital strategy and you build out and you put some focus on it. And then some time goes by and it always comes back up. It's like, yeah, our digital strategy is just not working. Well, why aren't we saying that unless we're asked, right? Right. And don't be afraid of the answer. I think a lot of times people are afraid to tell. This is the one thing I learned when I became a C-level that I thought was really important is that people don't want to tell you anything. They don't want to give you bad news. And then you get into this kind of catch 22 of like, you know, well, how can I fix it if you don't tell me it's broken? So I think you have to really go on a mission to find out the bad news in the organization. Literally, when we onboard new team members, as I say, I'm like, don't suffer in silence. We cannot fix what we don't know. So please tell someone whatever the issue is, whether it's the coffee or something else. Well, Paige, this has been awesome. Is there anything that we didn't discuss that you want to make sure that we tackle today? We covered the CEO transition. I would say that one lesson I learned having survived that transition, and I would say I survived it because I was the last member of the executive team standing and I was there for, gosh, almost for two and a half years and decided to leave about seven months ago. But along that journey, it really bothered me that I wasn't the person that was hired by the CEO. And I think I took that a little bit too far, right? So, I mean, my advice would be at a certain point, if you've navigated the onboarding of a new CEO, you've aligned on priorities, you're building a relationship with that person, you've got to just kind of let go of the fact, even if many new management team members come in and you're aware of the fact that you weren't a person that was hired, you got to just let go of that and go with the fact that you're around for a reason and embrace that because it's pretty powerful at that point. I I love that. And for those of you that have listened all the way to the end of this episode, thank you. 
I have a final question that I ask all of our guests, which is in general, what do you wish more CEOs understood about marketing? I think that companies and CEOs and you know CROs as well tend to dramatically underestimate the complexity of the entire kind of campaign and demand gen process and just all of the parts and pieces and cadences and campaigns and content that goes into being able to create a high velocity, high quality, predictable demand gen engine. I think that people think you're just going to toss some campaigns out and like the pipeline is just going to start rolling in. You've got the MarTech stack, you've got the content, you've got the process. I mean, it's very complicated. I'm not sure I understand it, frankly, and I've been doing it for 25 years. So. <laughs> it will be an ongoing quest for you, I'm sure. Well, I appreciate you joining me for a drink. Do you have a signature or a favorite toast to send us out? I mean, mine's pretty simple. I just go with the cheers, right? Does that not have anything that sophisticated? That's right. Me too. Cheers. Well, let's drink cheers. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Paige. Thanks again to Paige for joining me on SAS Half Full. I really enjoyed that conversation. There were some great takeaways. While we do understand that it's more likely that you as a CMO are going to jump ship and go to another new company, it does happen when you're handed a new CMO. And as Paige said, it's basically like starting a new job. Ew. We appreciate her time and walking us through how to survive this. Really appreciate the listen. And until next time, bottoms up.